What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about this question of Bible translations. I was screaming, screaming. That may be a Freudian slip. I was streaming or scrolling through Facebook. There, I'll get it out. And I saw a a friend of mine who's a gospel preacher pose a question, said, hey, those of you who do question and answer series at the congregation where you preach, what are some of the what are, what are some of your favorite questions you've been asked? And I've greatly enjoyed the responses. And when I'm about to talk about this, I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad question. For those of you that have been listening or watching me any length of time, you know I love questions, and I do not eschew or call into judgment or deride any question I receive. Even if it's possible, the question is asked in dishonesty trying to entrap me or other Christians. That being said, the question had to do with Bible translation. If there are other versions that are easier to read and as accurate as the King James Bible, or actually that's not what it said. I I couldn't find the question. I I tried to go find it and I can't find it. Anyway, let let me see if I can get this right because this wording is important. Because I think it 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 showcases a, a baseline problem with the way we think, a with the way we think about ourselves, with the way we think about other people, and with the way we think about Bible translations. If there are other, or, or since there are other uh, Bible translations that are easier to understand, shouldn't we switch to those translations as a whole? That is the gist of the question. That's not exactly the way it was worded, but that's going to have to do uh, suffice for our podcast today. Now, that's a good question, but it makes me sad. And before I tell you why it makes me sad, let me offer to, uh, if you would, oh, hey, cool, Barry Odell's listening to me while I'm on the road, or while he's on the road, sorry. His comment says, hey, man, listening to you while I'm on the road. Um, I hope he's on the road in a car and not just standing there. Anyway, so before I get into the meat of the podcast, I would invite you to support me as a podcaster. That money goes directly to me. It's used for podcasty type stuff. It's used for promotion of the page. And it's used by me as, as I see fit for uh, nine ministry things in the work of the local church. In other words, you're supporting me as a podcaster. That money is separate from the money that comes in in support of the Riverview Church of Christ. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's uh, get in. It's www.patreon.com forward slash near churches, or you can just send me a PayPal. Uh, incidentally, I have promoted the Cogitations Facebook page just a little bit. Uh, that cost me a little bit of money. I think I paid about $75 to do that. That came from your support. So now we have over 2000 followers on the cogitations Facebook page that helps with engagement that helps with, uh, the reach, but more valuable than me paying Facebook to do it is you be the notification bell. You be the algorithm 
and you share the content that you see from the Cogitations Facebook page. Good to see you, Brandon Dressner. Of course, Barry O'Dell gave me a big LOL. Uh, now, Bible translations, they're a hot topic. I think there's a couple of different extremes. One extreme is the Bible is so simple and easy that if you have to work at understanding it at all, then you're not understanding it. And the other extreme is the Bible is so difficult to understand, so highbrow and so full of esoteric language and, and, and jargon that the only way you can understand it is to be one of these highbrow, nerdy-type, hyper-intelligent, dusty scholars, and you must devote your entire life to the understanding thereof, and you still may never get it. And then, of course, there's the denominational mindset that the Holy Spirit just has to illuminate the Scriptures for you. I want to talk about this Holy Spirit illuminating the Scriptures for you first. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is one of the more misunderstood chapters in the Bible. It's the chapter on inspiration. I love the way it starts out. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Incidentally, that's a heretical translation of the Bible. You really need the King James, not the New King James. You should hear the sarcasm in that. Aaron Dotson is the one that converted me over to the dark side. He, uh, he found this New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs, and it's just a wonderful sized. It has a good, easy-to-read typeset. The text block is wonderful. It feels good in the hand. And uh, he sold it to me for 20 bucks. I think he paid 20 bucks for it. In fact, he may have paid 20 bucks plus shipping. So uh, anyway, that's why I'm reading from the New King James and not the Holy Version uh, endorsed by the Apostle Paul, the King James. Anyway, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So he did miracles, and he was inspired. His speech was inspired. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. To illustrate this in the 21st century, I'm going to point to Jordan Peterson. I love Jordan B. Peterson. I love listening to him. I love reading his books. I love watching his videos and listening to his podcast. He is a very wise individual, and he is very well-versed in the wisdom of man. And I think the more he studies the Bible, the more he becomes well-versed in the wisdom of God. However, Paul was not well-versed in the wisdom of God through natural means. He had to have it given to him by the Holy Ghost. So we want to, in the 21st century, we don't want to follow. Like, it's great that Jordan Peterson wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. You know where all those can be found? The book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs. And I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Peterson. I couldn't have written a book called 12 Rules for Life. But anyway, that my point is there, there's a difference between wisdom of men and wisdom of God. And the wisdom of men is not necessarily evil. It's just not on par with the wisdom of God. Now, uh, this wisdom of God has to come from God. There's only way, only one way wisdom can come from God. That's what this chapter is about. So, 
Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's talking about inspiration, folks. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about revelation. If, if the people in the long ago had really known, I mean really known, what God had in store for them through his son, Jesus Christ, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't have killed him. Well, that ain't no probably. It's, it's true. They would not have killed him. But they didn't know. They couldn't know because it hadn't been revealed. So they were going far out ahead of God, not waiting upon the Lord, and they, they fell for it. You know, the, the, the song, which is based on a Bible verse, the last verse of the book of Isaiah chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as e- on, as wings like, on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall not walk and not faint. You got to wait on revelation from God. And if these people had waited on revelation from God before they killed the precious son of Jesus Christ, maybe they would have been convinced and hadn't killed him. But of course, we're not dealing with what could have happened. We're dealing with what did happen. And that's what God deals with too. He sees it before it happens though. Now, that might be hard to understand. Just keep following me. All right. So these things which God has prepared for those who love him, God, verse 10, has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. That's this, it's just this simple. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking about an orange. Now my spirit revealed unto you that I'm thinking about an orange. You don't know what God is thinking. You don't know God's will unless God's spirit reveals it. That's what this chapter is about. Now we, and I am convicted here, that we is not an editorial we for all Christians. This is the we for the apostles. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And if you'll look that verse up in the American Standard 1901, the American Standard 1901 acknowledged the ellipses uh, the whole, uh, these things all, we, we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches conspa- comparing spiritual things with spiritual words. The words are spiritual themselves. They come from the Holy Spirit. The Bible is uh, verbal plenary, is an example of verbal plenary inspiration. The very words of Scripture are given by God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God breathed. That word inspiration, the Greek word is theonustos. Theo, deity, nustos, breath. Verse 14, but, and here's where people get off the rails, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Here's where the denominations teach that unless you're a Christian, and in fact, some of my own brethren, there's a guy, uh, Willie Franklin, uh, who's a very prominent man in the on the gospel meeting circuit. He teaches that this verse means that unless you are baptized into Christ, you cannot understand the Bible, that if you, um, if you have a copy of the Bible, you can't understand it well enough to obey the gospel. And I know this because I've witnessed this firsthand. I've, this is not hearsay. I've listened to it from his own mouth. And as far as I know, my brethren just eat him up, but he's teaching a form of Calvinism. And I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's self-aware enough to understand that. Anyway, that's not what this passage means. The natural man, the, in this context, the opposite of the spiritual man is the natural man. The one who is natural is one who is not inspired. It doesn't mean it's one who is not a Christian. The uninspired man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. They're foolishness because they're not discerned with man's wisdom. If you're not inspired by God, if you don't have wisdom that comes from God, you cannot discern the spiritual things because you don't have any way to do that. You can't peer beyond the veil. And he can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. That's why, you're, that's why they're foolishness. They're spiritually discerned. Verse 15, but to the contrary, but he who is spiritual, that, that would be inspired, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Why is he rightly judged by no one? This, this is why you know verse 14 cannot be talking about a Christian versus a non-Christian because we're, we're called to judge. We're called to judge with a, with a righteous judgment, not as, a, not as appearance only. But yet this person who is spiritual, if this is talking about a, a, a man who is just baptized into Christ, well, other Christians judge the man that is baptized into Christ. He can discern that. But this, this can't be the difference. This can't be a juxtaposition of one who is baptized into Christ and one who is not. This is a juxtaposition of one who is inspired and one who is not. One who is inspired cannot judge the or one who is not inspired cannot judge the one who is inspired. He, he, he can't rightly judge. That's why it was so important to have the gift of discernment in the first century because that was a, that was a special spiritual gift. And if you had somebody coming into your congregation, preaching the gospel to you, you couldn't judge whether or not those things were true because you had no book. That's why this book is so important. In the, in the 21st century, if somebody comes in preaching, you can judge that person by holding up the book and say what you're teaching is different than the book. But when Paul came into a congregation and preached, Unless he's preaching about something such as he preached about to the noble Bereans, where you could judge what he said by Scripture, if he say if he say he's preaching to the church in Corinth and he's telling them about how to live, and he's giving them revelation from God about the things that they're doing, unless there's a person there with spiritual discernment, nobody's going to know whether or not he's speaking from God or just speaking out of his own mind. Nobody's going to know the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom because you can't, quote-unquote, see the Holy Spirit reveal someone. 
or reveal things to someone. Now, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is talking about those who were inspired in the first century, most specifically the apostles. Now, the denominations say, and again, some of my own brethren say, that unless you are uh, baptized into Christ and have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can't discern the Bible. Therefore, if you want to be baptized into Christ and obey the gospel, you have to have someone to guide you who is. That is a farce that could not be farther from the truth. So there's the third kind of offshoot of this two extremes. One extreme, the Bible is so simple and easy and, and, and shallow that if you have to work to understand it, you've missed it. And on the other extreme is the Bible is so highbrow and convoluted and difficult that only the most highbrow, dusty, scholarly, hyper-intelligent, nerdy people can understand it, and even that only after decades to, uh, to, to do that. But anyway, um, Jason Scott says, I didn't always agree with Willie, but I couldn't help but admire him and love him for his zeal for the Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of Willie Franklin at all. Um, if any, I tell you, uh, let me, I'm not going to get on where I'm bashing Willie Franklin, but I will tell you this. If anybody besides Willie Franklin acted like Willie Franklin, they would be absolutely excoriated and shunned. It is one of the most gaslighting and narcissistic things I've ever seen from an individual I saw from that man. And that's when he hugs and kisses people. And if you're not comfortable with him hugging and kissing you, he will publicly berate you and say that you're not a loving Christian because you don't want to be hugged and kissed. That's all I need to know of him. Like, that's bad. I've also seen him tell, well, I'm not going to get into all of that. Um, I, think, I think that Willie Franklin is one of those cases where um, I, hope, I hope that his ministry is a net positive, but I'm, I'm really scared that it's not. And what he teaches about the Holy Spirit is very possibly damnable. And it scares me. And my concern is he's above scrutiny. And when he is scrutinized, he plays the race card. That that probably that one thing probably bothers me more than anything. That if you if you scrutinize Willie Franklin, he plays the he plays the race card. He's also a race grifter. I've I've seen him preach on more than one occasion, and his sermon devolve into just the worst kind of racial bigotry I've ever heard out of an individual. So anyway, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about Willie Franklin. Anyway, now. What about this question that I ran across on Facebook? Since there are translations of the Bible that are as accurate and easier to understand than the King James, should we not wholesale switch to the King James? Okay, that's a fair question. If that were the case, then yes. And if that's all that it entailed was just switching, then yes. 
Here's my problem with this. There's something called the soft bigotry of low expectations. And that's the idea where, um, well, you're, you're, you're a child, so we don't expect much out of you. You've come from a broken home, so we don't expect much out of you. Uh, you're black, white, uh, Native American, Mexican, Japanese, Chinese, whatever, so we don't expect much out of you. That's the soft bigotry of low expectations. If you're born in a certain to a certain demographic in a certain part of the nation, well, we don't expect any, we don't expect much out of you. Uh, you need to look to your betters to guide you because bless your heart, you just can't do any better than what you are. I remember I was at a congregation and they didn't use the King James version of the Bible. I did, and they asked me why I used it. And I said, well, here's the reason why I use the King James Version of the Bible almost exclusively. Um, I had not yet got this, um, this little New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. Um, I said, look, I have no problem with any version of the Bible that, that, um, that is respectful to the original, uh, tra- the, the original uh, languages. I have no problem with any version or translation of the Bible that, um, Let's see how did I, how did I put it? Um, that that understands inspiration. Now the New American Standard Bible. If you'll read their preface, uh, they claim inspiration in their translation, which is weird. Now the American Standard 1901, as much as it is lauded, um, Westcott and Hort didn't. They they don't they don't hold to the same ideals of inspiration as fundamental Christianity or fundamentalist Christians do. Uh, But that being said, I mean, the American Standard 1901 is a fine translation. The New American Standard is fine translation. I think where people have, have a problem is they've been told so much by people who are gospel preachers, people who have to make a living preaching and teaching the gospel, the Bible, that this is so hard, you need help doing it. And that's the argument I get most often. Well, the King James is just too hard. We can't understand it. My response always is, yes, you can. Which, to which people usually reply with anger and and insult. They get angry when I tell them you can understand the Bible. And, and in my mind for years, I was like, well, wait a second. If you're saying that you can't understand something, and I'm saying you can, the foundation of that, the basis is, um, the, the basis is I'm too dumb to understand the King James, and I'm saying, no, you're smart enough to understand the King James. And then it dawned on me, here's the reason why people were getting angry. Implicit in my response, you are smart enough, you can understand the King James Bible. Implicit in my response is an indictment of laziness on the part of the person that is denigrating the King James Bible. I, I, I remember the day that dawned on me, and I'm like, wow, that makes sense. But I, I never let people off the hook. 
you can uh, you you can understand the Bible. The King James Bible is written. Well, I, I say it's twenty years ago. It was written on a sixth grade level. Now, twenty twenty two, it might be a twelfth grade level. I don't know, but the fact of the matter is, it is written on a level where you can understand it. Yeah, when Brandon Dresner says, when we study with Mormons, we use the King James Version. They believe it is the only inspired version. And they, they also have problems with it as well. They think, they think it's been perverted. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, the, this, 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 this really bothers me. And it's because I've never been one to let a lack of knowledge keep me down or keep me away from something. It's like starting this podcast and learning how to do all this. And I'm still not perfect at it. I'm not as good as what I want to be. But I remember when I started, I was speaking to the butt of a cell phone. Like I would hold my cell phone and I would say, hey, this is Tony Brewer with the Life and Godliness podcast. And uh, anyway, ooh, Barry O'Dell. There are extremes on both sides of this issue. A couple of years ago, I was disinvited from a lectureship because I was preaching a gospel meeting at a congregation and a member from another congregation heard me using the New King James. Because of that, I could not speak at the other congregation, which was King James only. They asked me if I was preaching from, the, from that book instead of using God's holy word. Yes, and, and that's, so I'm, I'm on this, this, this far end, this other end of, of where people think that the Bible is so hard to understand that you need some kind of dumbed-down version of it, which, incidentally, I don't believe the, King, the New King James is a dumbed-down version of the Bible, uh, nor do I believe the New, Inter- uh, the, it was the New International or the New American Standard. In fact, at the Riverview Church of Christ, we have uh, an eclectic mix of translations. And because I'm me, we talk about it and we joke about it. And during class, when I'm preaching or when I'm teaching something from the King James, I know who's got what translation, and I'll ask them if their Bible uses that word. And, and we, can, we can draw out a better discussion and get a better experience because of that eclectic mix of translations and versions. Incidentally, I'm using translations and versions. Translation is like the King James, well, now we're going to get into some highbrow stuff. This is reductive. The King James is a translation because it's translated from the original language. The New American Standard is a version because it is a version of a translation, which is the Amplif- I think it's the Amplified Bible. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a new American Standard. In fact, it has nothing to do with the American Standard. It it. It's a, it's a new Amplified Bible, I believe, if I remember from my days of general biblical introduction. So a version is a, just a different version of a translation that's already in existence. In other words, from, from let's say from English to English. But a translation is a, 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 is a translation from one language into another. Anyway, um, now, why did I go down on that tangent? Oh, yeah. So we have this eclectic mix of versions and translations of the Riverview Church of Christ, and it's just not a thing. Nobody cares about it because I don't treat it like some verboten topic where I'm trying to walk around on eggshells 
handling people's emotions with kid gloves. We're just going to deal with it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to acknowledge that there are differences. There are good things. There, there, there are things that make the King James better. And there are, there are pieces of other translations and versions where they do a better job than the King James. Now, back to this fractured thought that I had in the beginning. Um, I was asked at that congregation why you use the King James. Well, here's why I use the King James. I know for a fact in the 21st century, whenever I'm teaching or studying the Bible with somebody, I'm probably going to have to get out a dictionary to define some English words. But what I will never, ever have to do is educate my prospect in the Greek language. Let me give you an example of this. I was in Pulaski, and I was door knocking, and a young woman come to the door. Long story short, she was saying all the things that you want to hear. And then it come to, yeah, my, ch- my husband has his children from his previous marriage, and I have my children from my previous marriage. I knew we were going to have to, to, to broach the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Now, it didn't get to that. This person didn't agree to a Bible study, and they ended up not visiting. But if it had, and I spend hours and hours unpacking all of the stuff that this person has, all the baggage that they have, and say, look, do not listen to your pastor. Listen to the easily understood, discernible word of God. Okay, you've convinced me. Baptism is for the remission of sin into the church that Jesus built. Jesus only built one church. I repent of the sins that, that I've committed in the past and I want to make a change. How do I dedicate my life to God? Well, you want to be delivered out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, right? Yes. Okay. We got to talk about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Sure, I'm on board. Let's see what God says about it and I'm willing to change. All right. Whosoever puts away his wife except it be for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Oh, well, yeah, my, my, my husband that I was married to before this man, he was addicted to pornography, so I divorced him. That's sexual immorality, so I'm fine. What, did he cheat on you? Like, did he go and have sex with a woman? Did he fornicate? Well, no, no, he didn't do that. Well, okay, so look, I know that the Bible says sexual immorality, but that's not what it actually means. It really means fornication, which is the physical sexual act. And even though he was watching pornography and masturbating to pornography, that's not an act that involves someone else. That's not fornication. So you had no grounds to divorce him with the ability to remarry. Well, yeah, but, but, the, but you said follow the Bible and don't listen to my pastor. Now you want me to not follow the Bible and listen to you. Are you my pastor now? That's why I don't use any modern translations when I'm studying the Bible with people. I just use the King James. Now, for my podcast, uh, for stuff like that, when I'm, I, I, I teach the book of Hebrews right out, right out of this little New King James. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the New King James or with the New American Standard, even with the New International Version, although there's actual Calvinism in it. 
if I'm studying with a prospect, I know I'll never have to go to the Greek language. I'll have to explain some English, but that's okay. I know I'll never have to go to the Greek language. Now, my response to those who talk about this idea of since there are other translations of the Bible that are easier to understand and are just as accurate as the King James, should we askew the King James in favor of those? And to me, that's built on so much low expectation from soft bigotry. Well, the the majority of the people are just too dumb to understand the King James. I think I remember, um, well, now I can't think of his name. He closes all the lectures. Um, Prolific writer, come on, Robert R. Taylor Jr. I believe that he said at one point in time, please don't talk about my intelligence. Don't lump me in with all of these people that are just too dumb to understand the King James Version of the Bible. That would insult me to the point of infuriation. If I had a man in a pulpit tell me that I was too dumb to understand the King James Bible, so I needed to go to the New American Standard or the New International or the New King James or anything like that, I I, I would just be like, you're done. I don't want to listen to you. You think so little of me that I'm too stupid to understand the words in the book? Come on, man. Anyway, so... Use the, use the translation of the Bible you're going to use, but don't use the translation of the Bible just because you think you're too stupid to understand the King James. I don't know. It, bo- it bothers me, this, this, this soft bigotry of low expectations. And, and it's really elitist. Well, the King James, that's for those highbrow people that go to preaching school. Well, he's graduated a seminary. Of course he knows the King James. Let me tell you another, uh, another con- well, not really a confrontation, another interaction that I had. It was with an elder of the Lord's Church, and I was actually interviewing uh, for a position. And that entire congregation used the New American Standard Bible, and it come up. He asked me, you know, what version of the Bible? And I said, the King James. He said, well, you know, we, we, would, we would probably want you to use the King James or the New American Standard if you come here. And I said, well, I said, that, that would be a problem for me. And he said, well, we just, we have these kids and, and you grew up with the King James Bible, so you are familiar with it and you know it and you understand it. But these kids haven't, therefore they're not familiar with it and they don't understand it so they won't be able to understand it. And my response was like, well, I hope you don't let them behind the wheel of a car because they didn't grow up with it. They didn't understand it. So they're not going to be able to learn how to do it. Think about that. If, if, that, was the, if, that, was, if, if that was the bar for learning new things, like I can't, like my wife and I have a running joke. She'll recommend a television show on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. And I'll say, well, I don't really want to watch that. She said, and she'll say, why? Because I've never seen it before. And I only watch shows that I've seen before. 
<laughs> she's like, well, how do you find new shows to watch? I said, well, I only watch shows I've only I've I've seen before. That that that's a silly thing between me and my wife. But but that's the attitude that this that this elder of the church had. Well, our children didn't know it before, so they won't be able to learn it. Well, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know before I started learning. Goodness, I trained horses for ten years. I've got horses that that went on to win blue ribbons in horse shows that I trained, that I started under saddle. And I knew zero about training horses when I first started. And I came to it late in life. I came to it in my early 20s. Normally, people who train horses and do stuff like that for a living, they they grow up on a horse farm or something. But I came to it late in life because I've, ne- I've, I've never let ignorance be a barrier to entry. I have always let ignorance be an invitation into the room of enlightenment. Oh, I think I'm going to put that on a Hallmark card. Invitation is not a barrier to entry. Invitation is the it's the invitation into the realm of enlightenment. Now, if y'all repeat that, you better give me credit. That's my problem with this widespread view of eschewing the King James. Well, we just we just don't we're, we're, we don't we don't speak like that, so it's hard to understand. Why do you think so? who 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 has beat you down and trained you to be okay with elitist thinking you're stupid? As Brother Robert Taylor Jr. said, "Don't lump me in with all these people you think are too stupid to understand a Bible." that is a translation of God's word that is responsible for multiplied millions of people obeying the gospel. And incidentally, the the King James is still the number one bestseller. The King James is still, for the most part, ubiquitous in English-speaking cultures. Even even in, in demographics where English isn't the first language, they, if they have a Bible, it's still usually the King James. That's another reason to use the King James. It's because I can go, I can, I can start here in New Brunswick, Canada, and head east and come back around home, or I can head south and come back around home, and I'll always find people using the King James version of the Bible. Yeah, Deborah O'Neill's replying to Barry O'Dell. I was told by someone in the holiness denomination that if you have any other version of the Bible under your roof, you're going to hell, which is really funny to me. And again, so I've spent the the bulk of this podcast extolling the virtue of the King James, saying, hey, maybe we ought to use the King James. Don't cast it by the wayside. But here, I'm going to go the other side of that and be like, it's really funny how these holiness denominations have a favorite version of the Bible. They're inspired by God. Why would they even need a version of the Bible or a translation? Something to think about. Anyway, um, so I hope that I've said something today that's encouraged you. I don't care so much about the, 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 the translation of the Bible that you use. I care that you read and study it. But the main point of this podcast 
is don't sell yourself short. Don't pick a Bible, don't pick a translation rather, or version, because you think you're too stupid for one and not the other. If you want to use the King James Version of the Bible, use the King James Version of the Bible. I promise if I can understand it, you can understand it. We need to get the clergy system out of the churches of Christ. By God in heaven, we've built one. And this is a symptom of that larger problem. The laity cannot know nor fathom what the clergy know. Therefore, the laity, we need to use a dumbed-down version of the Bible. The clergy, they go to the original language. The laity needs a dumbed-down translation. A friend once made the statement in the problem that the problem is not is that we have, well, I cannot read. It is my, The skill has left me. Let me try this again. A friend once made the statement that the problem that we have is not that we are using the wrong version, is that people aren't reading any version at all. Yeah, let me give you an illustration that I was given that really enlightened me. Here's the, pro- here's the reason why many people are so up in arms about the particular issue or the issue of the particular version or translation. You'll have, a, you'll have an overzealous gospel preacher who, King James, got to use the King James. Well, there'll be a 20-year-old guy walk into his uh, congregation, or the congregation for whom he preaches, for which he preaches, and he'll have a new international version. I'm using a new international version because that's the one everybody is okay with picking on. I mean, you know, isn't it? You know, ain't that the one that, you know, if you're a King James, New American Standard, uh, ASV 1901, New King James, uh, uh, Holman Christian Standard, uh, all of that good stuff. You, you, you can you can find some common ground, but hey, that new that that, that new international version that's the bad one. Anyway, uh, I don't believe that. By the way, I do believe it has some issues, but I don't believe it's the bad one. We have a couple of three members in our congregation up here that use it, and they're perfectly fine people. Know just as much Bible as. Well, I would, I would, I would put one of them up against any Bible scholar that you could produce. That being said, he comes in with a new international version, and the preacher says, "Look, you gotta, you gotta get rid of this Bible. That's a bad Bible." There's just one problem. This kid, this twenty-year-old kid, is not a higher textual critic. Do you know why he has that Bible? Because his little old grandmother, whenever he graduated high school, God rest her soul, went to the Bible store and said, I love my grandson. He's going to be the first one in our family to go to college. And I want to get him a Bible because I want him to remember his faith when he's gone to college. And I want a nice one. And the Bible salesman says, oh, here's a nice one. Look at the gold on the edges of the page. We can put his name in gold right here. Look at this burgundy leather. Isn't it beautiful and it's soft and supple? Oh, it is. Yeah, I want that one. It happens to be a new international version. And she writes a note. Dear grandson, always remember 
from where you came. And whenever you feel too tall, kneel in prayer. And whenever you feel knocked down, rise up, but only so far as to kneel. I love you. You're going to do well. And that gospel preacher said, you got to get rid of that Bible. That's a bad Bible. That kid's not a higher textual critic. What he heard is, your grandmama's a bad person for giving you that. And he feels insulted because you have insulted and besmirched the memory of his good, sweet grandmother. We need to understand that we need to meet people where they are. And it's not about which version or translation you use. It's about using the one that you have. I did a podcast several years ago. I can't believe I've been doing this long enough to say that statement. I did a podcast several years ago in which I extolled the virtues of the message. And if you don't know what the message is, you need to Google it. And I think it gets a little cheeky in spots. But if you read the preface to the message, a Presbyterian pastor wrote it. It's a version of the Bible that's written in ultra-modern, common vernacular. And I got to give him props because whenever I look at a version of the Bible that I've never seen before, I go to several key areas throughout the New Testament to see how they treat them. This dude wrote certain parts of the New Testament in his version that he could not preach from his Presbyterian pulpit. So God bless him. I hope he comes to a knowledge of the truth. But if you had the message, the the dynamic equivalent, it's not a translation. If you had this dynamic equivalent that it gets rather cheeky in spots, you know what I can do? I can teach you from that book the things you need to live a good life in Christ and be ushered into eternity with him and the Father in heaven. Folks, we got to get down off our high horse just a little bit and not think more highly of ourselves than we should, but we also need to think, we don't need to think so low of ourselves. Find your version of the Bible and just be a good student. As the the last commenter said, this Jason Scott, his last commenter said, it's not that we are, are using the wrong version. It's people aren't reading any version at all. And before we attack somebody's version of the Bible that they use, understand the emotional ties that they would have to it. Uh, define cheeky, um, disrespectful. Um, let me see if I can give you a good definition. Yeah, cheeky is an adjective. It means impudent or irreverent, typically in an endearing or amusing way. Um, now, there, are, there is also a way to use that in the form like of a bikini a cheeky bikini, and that is a bikini that allows your butt cheeks to hang out. Women in the world, they they, they like those cheeky bikinis. But 
Uh, we don't use cheeky a lot in the United States. Uh, that's a that's a European kind of kind of word. We're like, aren't you a cheeky bloke? Um, it's irreverent, uh, usually in an endearing way. And for instance, in uh, in the message in Hebrews, um, well, now I can't remember. It's the I think it's the beginning of Hebrews six. Let me go over there. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, let me see if I can do uh, Hebrews 6, the message. Yeah. Now, let me read you verses 1 through 3 from the message, and I think this is a little cheeky. It's a little irreverent, but I think it's in an endearing way. So come on, let us leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us, we'll stay true to all that, but there's so much more, let's get on with it. Now, I don't agree with that. that that's his interpretation. I don't agree with that. I believe that Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 is talking about the Old Testament, the, the first principles of the oracles of God. I think the King James does a, a truer translation there. I think this is a little cheeky, but as I said, I'm not going to beat somebody over the head with this, and although we can disagree about this particular paragraph, I can take this message and I can, I can show somebody how to get to heaven. And, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, there will be enough people in Bible class with different versions to help out with a different wording. Yeah, there will. There will. Anyway, so Mark, I hope I hope I I, I defined that term well for you. Um, but but the point is, I want people reading what they have. So there is a fine line. I want true translation with ease of reading. So there's there's a there's a scale. All right. I think I think there's an Overton window. So if I have a literal translation, in fact, let me just go, let me get out eSword and I'll go to the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, which is a literal translation. And uh, we're going to go to first, we'll go to first Thessalonians five. Let me go to the Apostolic Bible Polyglot. Listen to this. For the one sleeping night sleep at, and the ones being intoxicated, at night are intoxicated, but we, being of day, should be sober, putting on the chest plate of belief and love and helmet, hope of de- oh, hope of deliverance. For not set us God for wrath, but for the procurement of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like that's that's really harsh. Like that's a harsh translation. Um. That's that's almost a literal translation, just a, an analog from Greek to to English. Well, 
if you smooth out the Greek, it's how smooth are you going to make it. The smoother you make it, the less verbatim it's going to be. So you got to have this Overton window. And something happened with the advent of the King James Bible that we have today is that English as a developing language fit perfectly better than any other time in history with the original Greek. Now, that doesn't mean the King James is the best translation. That just means we have a really good, reliable English translation, and really and truly the American Standard 1901 and the King James, I would say, would be the the bar that we should judge everything else by. And that's, that's, that's my opinion, and that's an opinion shared by many scholars who have letters before and after their name uh, in this particular field of study. Brandon Dreschner asks, are there any translations or versions that you would stay away from? Uh, it depends on, like, if you're looking for a serious study Bible, honestly, um, I would not recommend the New International Version because that is the only version that I know of that has actual bona fide denominational dogma, Calvinism. Other than that, um, if you're looking for a serious study Bible, New American Standard, New King James, King James, ASV 1901, the Holman Christian Standard. Aaron Dotson had something the other day that I really liked, and I can't remember what it is, but there are those out there. Um, If you're looking for something just to read to get the sense, the New Living Translation, the Message, uh, the Easy English Version, you know, but something I never did finish saying about the message, this this Presbyterian pastor in the preface, he actually says, if you're looking for a serious study Bible, this ain't for you. This is not what you want. This is a dynamic equivalent with very modern, uh, 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 common English vernacular. So to answer your question, Brandon, I guess the short answer would be, no, probably not. Um. The long answer, the more detailed answer would be, I'd probably stay away from the NIV because it actually has denominational dogma. Uh, the, oh, the English Standard Version. Uh, it does English Standard Version, uh, the American Standard 1901, the New American Standard Bible, the New King James, uh, the, new, the King James. Uh, did I say American Standard 1901? Anyway, th- those would be fine. Just... Be honest with what they are and where they fall short, and, and you'll be fine. And just study the dickens out of it, and that's that's what I would say. Anyway, this always turns into a long podcast when I talk about this, and I'm glad. Um, I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that I'm bashing your preferred version of the Bible. I promise you I'm not. I just If you don't prefer the King James, that means I prefer a different version of the Bible than you, but that's okay. We'll we'll all go to heaven together. We'll be fine. Oh, the revised version and the new revised version as well. Both of those, um, again, I've heard people say, well, the the, the new revised version, the NSRV, the new revised standard version, that's the Catholic version of the Bible. Man, no, it ain't. (laughs) I mean, it's just not. Um, it's just an English translation and they, they, the translators chose some different words and different ways of translating because 
they're able to. Just use what you got, study the dickens out of it, and be honest with what you have. Be a good student. All right, that's all I've got here, folks. I've, I've gone for an hour instead of 30 minutes, but that's okay. Sometimes we need that. I hope that I've said something to encourage you. You can understand the Bible. You don't need any help at all. You can even understand the King James Version if you so choose. Do not let ignorance be a barrier to entry. Take ignorance for what it is, an invitation into the room of enlightenment. That's all I've got here, folks. Thank you so much for helping me out with this podcast. Share this with your friends. Support me. God knows I need it. Uh, digital by, or, or, uh, uh, Patreon.com forward slash near churches, or just send me a PayPal. That information will be in the show notes. And uh, consider supporting digitalbiblestudy.org. That'll help me out as well, although it's not directly. Anyway, please subscribe to our podcast channel, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. And that's all we got here, folks. We will catch you. Um, ooh, ooh, hold on. I got one more. Sorry, I got one more comment here I want to read. The New American Bible is generally considered the Catholic Bible. The NRSV is a pretty good translation. It is very smooth and readable, but it does use gender-inclusive language. Yes, uh, and I was not aware. Um, I, I've, again, this, purely anecdotal, Jason. This is anecdotal. I've always been told by people in my area of influence that the NRSV was the Catholic Bible, and I did some research on it, and I'm just like, I, I did not find that to be the case. Uh, I don't know about the new, I, again, even the New American Bible, it's, notice, how, notice his wording here, folks, is generally considered the Catholic Bible. Does that mean the Catholics say, hey, if you want to be a Catholic, read the New American Bible? I don't know. I haven't asked a Catholic, and I think generally the Catholic Church discourages. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I, I, I laughed as I said that. Generally, the Catholic Church discourages reading the Bible. So, so I don't. I just don't know. But I trust. I trust this man, and it sounds good to me. But that's certainly what I found is that the NRSV. I mean, it's absolutely not the Catholic Bible. It could be the New American Bible is adopted by the Catholic Church, put out by the Catholic Church, and extolled by the Catholic Church. But who knows? I don't know. I would say if you're a Catholic, read it, study it, and uh, you won't be a Catholic for long if they, if they got a good translation. All right, that's all I've got, folks. Be sure and subscribe. Be sure and support me. Those things are in the show notes. Thanks for the comments. And uh, this has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. We will catch you. Lord willing, on the flip side.